Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. If you claim to be a Christ follower, and I use that terminology for a reason, because Christian means something different today, okay? There's a lot of Christians in America, but are you a Christ follower? Because technically Christian means little Christ, Christ-like. So I like to use the term Christ follower. Do you follow him? You see your Lord and Savior. You're a Christ follower if you've been born again. It's absolutely essential for your salvation. Are you a genuine Christ follower? In today's message from Pastor James, he explains that many people will call themselves Christian, but in actuality, they're not really following him. To be an authentic disciple of Jesus, you must first be born again by receiving him as your personal Lord and Savior. You have to die to yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him daily. Pastor James reveals that this is more than just physically attending a church service one day a week. This is a daily walk following Jesus. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Verse 3 is where Peter transitions from his greeting, which is kind of a typical greeting. He's addressing the the churches throughout modern-day Turkey. This letter would be circulated all throughout these churches. So he's done his greeting and all that good stuff. Now he gets into this this interesting portion of Scripture. It's verses 3 through 12. We'll, We'll read this. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation or a living hope, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of decay or change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, this rescue, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad or rejoice There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him, even though you've never seen him. You love him, even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. You rejoice with the glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. In verse 12, it says, they were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you, for you, Calvary Galveston today. And now this good news, this gospel has been announced to you by those who preach it in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. That little portion of scripture is technically like a song that has been written by Peter. 
in the Greek, it, it's framed out as like as a song or almost like a poem type thing. And here is Peter just saying, I'm just going to pour my heart out. And why does he do that? Because of his hope in Jesus for you, for me, for himself, for the rescue that is on its way, for the rescue that's on his way. So let me pray one more time, and then we're going to jump back into three and walk through this text. Lord Jesus, I do, I do thank you, Lord, that uh, you are our rescuer. Lord, you saved us from our sins. You took all of that on yourself on the cross. Lord, you rose from the grave three days later, conquering sin and death. Lord, uh, really just cementing our faith in that truth, and we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that in this life, Lord, we will have trials. There will be tribulations. But Lord, we know that you allow those things in our lives to make us stronger, to purify our faith. We don't like them, Lord, but we embrace the results that come afterwards. And we know that you will walk with us through each and every one of them. And so, Lord, we we thank you for that. We appreciate you. We appreciate the fact that, Lord, you are coming quickly. And so help us to hold on, Lord. We're not rats, but Lord, we want to learn a good lesson from some rats, Lord, that that just learned that if we can just hold on, the rescue is coming. We can make it one more day because, Lord, you're with us. Our hope is anchored in you, Lord. And so we just thank you for that. I pray you would speak to our hearts as we just uh, walk through this passage, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So back into verse three, Peter just starts it off with all praise to God. All praise, and I'm reading from New Living Translation. I really like the way that uh, it, that translation phrases this thing out. But all praise to God, that's where Peter starts with. And he has this expression of just joy and just rejoicing. Why? Because of the truth that is cemented within his heart. I mean, this thing just flows just logically. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy, his great mercy, this unmerited favor towards sinners in their hopeless condition. That's his mercy. It's, it's this, this outpouring of love, this unmerited. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. There's no way that you yourself could ever obtain it. It's a gift from God. And your relationship with God begins with the mercy of God. Because there's something that I deserved that is completely contrary to what he has given me, right? What I deserved as a sinner and I have no problem proclaiming that. I am a sinner. I'm a sinner who's saved by the grace of God through my faith in Jesus Christ. But guess what? I'm still a sinner. But I'm not a sinner headed to hell. I'm a sinner headed to heaven. And it was his mercy that he, he pursued me throughout my life. He pursued me throughout my life. This is connected even to the statements that Peter had made, these great theological truths that he made in, the, in his greeting where he's like, you're the elect, you're chosen, picked before the foundations of the world right? This is Peter talking to his, his people. That's his greeting. Like I, I, in my letters that I've ever written to people, and I have written letters to people, I've never dropped great theological bombs like that in the beginning, right? Like that's just crazy. But Peter is just so excited about this relationship that he has with Jesus and the reality of what that relationship means in his life. He knew who he was. We talked about that last week too. He knew he was an apostle. He knew he was called by God to proclaim this gospel message to anyone and to everyone, but he also knew his standing with God. I'm a child. I'm a child of his. I've been redeemed. I've been set free, right? He picked me. He chose me. So any of you ever feeling bummed out or lonely or anything like that, please know that he loves you. God loves you. And yes, he wants you. You don't have to be lonely, but it's 
Peter drops these theological things and he gets into verse three and he begins this beautiful song, so to speak. And he's like, I just, I just need to praise. I have to praise. And Christians have to praise. You have to. There has to be this overflowing of expression of gratitude towards God. Through, and yeah, we do it through song, but we do it through other means as well. Singing song is not all of worship. Living our lives for him is, is worship. But when we get together and we sing songs, we rejoice greatly. Why? Because of who he is, because of what he's done. But I'm not a good singer. Welcome to the club, right? Notice we didn't do any inspections or auditions when you walked into the room, right? Like, hey, can you hit this note? We're not doing that, right? Where the word is, you've heard it, you've been to church for a while, you know it's a joyful noise. But it doesn't matter. It's the same thing with my kids. When my kids are excited to see me and want to hang out with me, it just blesses my heart. It blesses my heart. God's the same way. You want to sing songs to me? Sweet. You're way off key. But hey, that's cool. God loves it. He's like, yeah, hey, angels, check this out. Listen in. And angels, we saw at the end of this, they are watching us and are like, what in the world? Look at what, look at what, how good God is. So Peter's just, he's just so like, it just kind of enraptured with just joy, inexpressible. And it just, it just, I can envision him there. Now, of course, he wasn't physically writing this letter. He had somebody with him writing this letter. But can you just imagine Peter just kind of pacing around as this other guy is just trying to probably keep up with him and write these things down. And Peter's just like, and he just gets going. And he just gets going. And he's just talking about God and just how, how great he is. I can envision Peter's probably not super stoic. And he's not just like sitting there, you know, fist on the chin, like contemplating all these great, I think he's just moving around of like, and, and whoever's writing this is like, oh, I'll try to keep up right? Like, I'm trying to keep up because the Spirit was moving through him. And he's like, all praise to God, the Father, Lord Jesus Christ. It's his great mercy that we've been, what? Born again. Born again. This is a key phrase for Christians. If you claim to be a Christ follower, and I use that terminology for a reason, because Christian means something different today, okay? There's a lot of Christians in America, but are you a Christ follower? Because technically, Christian means little Christ, Christ-like. So I like to use the term Christ follower. Do you follow him? Is he your Lord and Savior? You're a Christ follower if you've been born again. It's absolutely essential for your salvation. Jesus had this conversation with Nicodemus, John chapter 3. Classic story where Nicodemus came to him at nighttime. Nicodemus was part of like the religious leaders in Jerusalem. And he came to Jesus at nighttime and Jesus was just unloading these things onto him. He's like, you got to be born again. And Nicodemus in his fleshly reasoning is like, whoa, 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 that sounds like, wait, how does that happen? Like, and he used, you know, real weird kind of like, am I supposed, how do you re-enter and then exit? No, and Jesus is like, please stop. No, that's not what I'm talking about. No, it's born of the spirit. It's born of the spirit. You have to be reborn. And really what the phrasing technically in the Greek is different from John chapter 3, but essentially it means the same, ex- same exact thing. But Peter would probably be referencing 2 Corinthians 5.17, where you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old you is done, buried, with, buried, and then raised to new life. The book of Romans talks all about that. And this is what Peter is referencing here with like this being born again. It's a new you. Is it a perfect you? No, it's not a perfect you. 
but it is a redeemed you. It is a sanctified you. It is you on this trajectory towards heaven of where he is working in and through your life, and things are changing. Things have to be changing. If you're the same today as you were when you got saved, quote unquote, there's a disconnect. There has to be transformation. Something has had to have changed. For some, it's lifestyle decisions and things like that. It's, maybe it's the way that you treat other people or how you talk to each other. There have to be earmarks within our Christian lives. And I would say that these fruits of the Spirit being demonstrated within our lives from Galatians chapter 5 that are evident within us. They have to be there. So it's always good for us to go back and be like, okay, what fruit is being produced in my life that's the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the flesh? Because I was very productive with fruits of the flesh before Jesus. Harvest all the time, right? Like, a little too, it's embarrassing. But now with Christ, there should be fruits being produced within our lives. And you should see that. And if you can't see that, then you need to get connected with somebody who can. And that's where discipleship comes into play. That's where having a mentor, somebody who's older in their relationship with the Lord, who can, who can see you as you are, we're our own worst critics, and say, no, I see, you got, you got this gift. You have this, this thing of mercy. You have this gift of, of patience of, or of love, or if they knew you beforehand. That's the thing. You went to surfer museum thing last night, and people reconnecting after time. Hopefully, if you're a Christian and they knew you as not a Christian, they're like, you're totally different. That's what you want because they see something in you that's different. Those are evidences of being born again. That's what it has to be there. That fruit has to be there. Now, don't go comparing yourself to anybody else because that's not the point of that. The fruit that the Spirit produces in your life is going to be different than the fruit in somebody else's life. And we have a bad habit of doing that within the church. We look at somebody else and we're like, oh, they're, they're really doing it. And I'm just, I'm kind of slacking or there's no fruit in my life. You can't go into that comparison thing, but you do need to be self-reflective in the sense of going back and saying, okay, Holy Spirit, what has changed in my life? What has changed? I know for myself, this switch happened for me where I've always liked people, but I've never loved people, Okay. And, and before Christ, I hated some people, for sure. But man, when I, when I surrendered to Jesus, when I was born again, that was the, one of the things that I personally noticed immediately, this love for other people that was never there before. And I can't like, I can't like fake it. I couldn't like, okay, so now I'm just going to love everybody. I, I didn't think in that term. I didn't think in that realm at all. It was just a supernatural thing that had happened that messed up the natural, the old man kind of a deal to where I'm looking at people and I'm like, and I could express, I love you. And I would never say that, ever, ever. I don't think I ever said that at all as a child. Never. I'm pretty sure I never did. Yeah. But once I got saved at 19, that changed. That changed. And I know that that was a an area that for sure that God wanted to work on inside of me immediately. And there were some other changes that happened and some things were slow over time. Some things I still wrestle with and all that good stuff to this day. Some things were drastic and that was one of the drastic things that I had noticed. And I was like, whoa, I, I don't look at people the same way anymore. I don't treat people the same way anymore. And for me, that's, I have to have that connection point so I can go back and like anytime the doubt comes in, if you ever wrestle with a doubt, that's fine. You got to have markers in your life, stones of remembrance, so to speak, 
where you can go back and like, no, that's when I surrendered my life to Jesus. And, and I remember these things were changing in my life. And you go back to that because you got to remember, I am born again. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. So the good question to ask all of ourselves is, number one, have you been born again? Are you born again? And I love that. Greg Laurie used to do this all the time. He even made little cartoon illustrations of his own tracks and everything. And his cartoon character's name was Ben Born Again, right? And in the 70s, he's dishing out all these tracks and everything and leading people to the Lord. But, and you guys know within that Jesus movement, I mean, that was the deal, like born again. That was, I mean, it seems like that phrase got popularized back then. And I think we need to bring it back. Have you been born again? What? Born again? Yeah, like new creation, you. Change by Jesus. So we got to start there. And that is something that we have to ask ourselves. Have I been born again? Have I been born again? And only you can answer that. And the qualifier to that is this. If mom and dad were born again, that doesn't make you born again. If grandpa was a pastor in the church, doesn't make you born again. I grew up in the church. Okay. Doesn't make you born again. A surrender to Jesus is what makes you born again. A receiving him at not only as your savior, but as your Lord and savior makes you born again. Has that happened in your life? If not, Let's fix that today. Why go on throughout the rest of this life without making that a reality of who you are? Born again, new life. Here's the selling point. I'm not trying to sell you the gospel or anything, but the rest of this portion of scripture, whatever we can make it through, is like, this is why you want to be born again, okay? Whatever your thoughts are on the church and all that good stuff, no, we're, push those things to the side. We're gonna focus in on Jesus and the reality of following Jesus and being one of his kids, okay? He, so, Peter goes into this. We've been born again. It's by his great mercy that you've been born again. So again, it's not your works. It's not your pedigree. It's none of that stuff. It's only because of he had mercy on you. And here's the connecting thing. This is, I love this. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. It's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the deal. And we talked about that in the gospel of Mark when we finished that. That is the, man, that is like the foundation of who we are. The resurrection changed everything. I love the incarnation, right? That's Christmas time when Jesus, he came to this world and, and God took on flesh and, and all that. That's beautiful. We needed that. That's absolutely essential. But what we needed beyond that was we needed a savior who would be the perfect sacrifice, but who would also conquer death by raising from the grave three days later. The resurrection is absolutely foundational to, to who we are. And our hope is anchored in that truth. You can go to Israel today. The tomb is still empty, guys still empty. And they didn't hide his body. They didn't steal his body. It was, he didn't have some weird twin brother that they kept in the basement forever and then just broke him out for the crucifixion thing. That's a theory that's out there, by the way. Nor is he an alien. That's another one. That's a fun one. Um, no, he's the, he is God in flesh, and he died on the cross, and he rose from the grave three days later. And everything that we do, we are here because of that truth. And you want to know what your hope is, through this life, it's the fact that that tomb is still empty. That's the anchor that we hold on to because if he, he conquered death, we can conquer anything in and through him. We can get through anything because of him. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. It appears like you've been born again. 
We have this great, you know, this mercy, and we praise God because we've been born again, and, and this is because God has raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with this, this living hope. New Living Translation says great expectation. I appreciate that translation because that's technically what that term means. A living hope is a great expectation. We walk with this confidence. This is true. This will happen. This is not like some, some hope that's out there that like, Christmas is coming, and you might be like, I really hope I get this gift or that gift or whatever, and it's not really that. This is like solidified in the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. This is his hope. This is his great expectation. Because he showed up and did what he said he was going to do, then everything else he said is true and will happen, and that's that great expectation that we have, that he is coming back. Verse 4, he says, we have a priceless inheritance an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, for you. And you don't get an inheritance unless you're part of the family, okay? We can't just walk into a lawyer's office today who might be going over a will of somebody who died and you're a stranger off the street and be like, all right, what'd I get? It doesn't work like that. You gotta be part of the family. And so this applies to you. So if you're a Christ follower and you're finding that following Jesus is difficult, can I tell you to please hold on? because he has something great for you. Well, what is it? I have no idea. Does that help you? Does that clarify? You're like, oh, great. I have no idea, and Peter doesn't even attempt to describe it, what it is, but he does tell us what it's not, okay? So you have this inheritance. It's kept for you in heaven. We know that. So there's something in heaven waiting for you specifically, not corporately, specifically, individually, Right? That even echoes from John chapter 14, where Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. No, you, individually. So whatever thing he's working on up there, mansion, I've heard that term used quite a bit, dwelling place, home, whatever it is, it's designed specifically for you. What does that mean? I don't know. But I know within that language that he is saying, it's for you. So when you walk into that place, I don't even know what this, I, all these images kind of conjure up within my brain. It's like HGTV on steroids, I guess, in heaven. So, but like it's, it's been made for you because nobody knows you better than the one who created you. And all the you know, little idiosyncrasies that are wired within you, hardwired within your, you know, your DNA and all that fun stuff, like it's there for a reason. And look, if I show up to heaven and God's like, you see that? Shack over there, that's yours. I'm going to be like, sweet. Because yeah, I'd be homeless on the streets of heaven if I had to, right? Like, I just want to be there. Like, I don't, you know, give me a tent, all right? Somewhere, I'm fine. As long as I'm with Jesus, it doesn't matter. Because heaven is heaven because Jesus is there, okay? So if, if there's a, a mansion in the sky for each and every one of us, and I know Chuck Missler does this whole teaching on that and dimensions and all that good stuff, I don't know. That's just like bonus stuff for me. What excites me about heaven is the fact of that, you know, in this life, though I don't see him, I love him, I trust in him, one day I will see him. And that's, that's enough for me. That's heaven for me. That's it. Just with Jesus. That's cool. New heaven, new earth, ruling and reigning with him and all that fun stuff. That's sweet, but that's bonus stuff. That's bonus. To get to hang out with the guy who died on the cross for all my sins, that's heaven. And I'll take that forever. I'll take that for eternity. Never get bored of that. If he will give me, wants to give me my pet bear when I'm in heaven, sweet, cool. You're like, pet bear. Yeah, just, I taught about that some time ago. If there's animals in heaven, why wouldn't there be? But 
And why wouldn't I get to own a pet grizzly bear in heaven? My name is Grizzle. It just makes sense, right? Like, this is like predetermined by God before the foundations of the world, right? So I'm gonna walk in there and be like, where's my bear? And then Jesus can sit me down and be like, look, you got that all wrong. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is going through the New Testament letter written by the Apostle Peter. 1 Peter is a book full of empowering statements made from someone who knew firsthand what it was like to believe in Jesus and to face enemies of all kinds. Much of Peter's message is reminding us that although we might face fiery trials, in the end, God will lift us up for being faithful to Him. Once again, Peter knew what it was like to suffer. He himself had once denied that he even knew Jesus. Surely there was a turmoil within him during those hours of denial. But he went on to be a spiritual pillar as the Christian church was birthed. We trust that as you're listening to these messages from 1 Peter, that you're being strengthened in your own walk and faith with the Lord. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. We're a group of people of all ages, coming together to magnify Jesus and find hope and new life in Him. We'd love to have you come join us for a Sunday morning service, or we have a Thursday evening service too. You can find out more on our website, breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, if the Spirit leads you, there's a link to where you can support this ministry in a financial way. We're grateful for any support as we strive to spread the light of the gospel in a dark world. Well, that's all the time that we have for today, but we'll be back again next time in the book of 1 Peter. Pastor James is looking forward to sharing more with you here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you